Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jenny Kaplan, co-founder and CEO of Wonder Media Network, and this is Women Belong in the House. So far this season, we've talked about what it's like to start working in the House and how to do so effectively. Representatives have shared what it's like to do everything from picking offices to finding allies. In many ways, entering the House is similar to starting a new job anywhere. Your work just happens to be shaping the policies and legislation of the most powerful country in the world. Just like in any other job, it takes time to build clout. Like most other organizations, the House of Representatives has hierarchies of leadership. That's what we're talking about today, climbing the corporate ladders of Congress. Leadership in the House today reflects the increasing diversity of the body as a whole. As a reminder, a record 101 women currently serve in the House of Representatives from 34 states. 18 of those women hold leadership positions, including as committee chairs. That's compared to 13 women leaders in the previous two sessions and nine in the session before that. Holding a senior title isn't just good for the resume. It's key to shaping legislative agendas and really getting things done in the House. That's been quite evident in the 116th Congress as representatives deal with historic challenges. As Speaker of the House, I solemnly and sadly open the debate on the impeachment of the President of the United States. Our nation has been faced with a grave and accelerating challenge, one that tests our compassion, ingenuity, and resolve, the coronavirus crisis. To put families first, last week the House passed a strong bipartisan $8.3 billion emergency funding package Here's Kelly Dittmar from the Center for American Women and Politics at Rutgers. You've heard from Kelly in previous episodes. So there are certain things that members can do without some of those leadership positions and access to certain rooms and conversations. Um, But over time, seniority and leadership really does shape um, the degree to which they can alter the agenda, push the party and the party leadership to really take something on and collectively work on an issue or alter the perspective of some of the members of the party. Also really important is women on the steering and policy committee um, and who are deciding who are on these committees. Women in recruitment when it comes to the party's electoral apparatus so that when people are recruiting candidates for office for the next Uh, Congress, that they're looking for people that also are within their communities. For so long, men tap the people that are like them, right? And, And so that disadvantages women. And so we need more women in these positions also to bring up and highlight more women. One woman who's had an outsized impact in increasing the representation of women in leadership is Nancy Pelosi. A historic day in the House as Nancy Pelosi is elected the first woman speaker. 
the 116th Congress convened today, with Democrats taking control of the House for the first time in eight years. They have just elected Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. Nancy Pelosi made history as the first woman to become Speaker of the House. She's paid it forward by lifting up others. Kelly wrote about that in a book she co-authored called A Seat at the Table, Congresswomen's Perspectives on Why Their Representation Matters. For the book, Kelly and her colleagues interviewed 83 women in the 114th Congress. I will say one of the really um, consistent uh, things that women brought up with us on the Democratic side of the aisle in these interviews, and we ended up putting a sort of whole section on it in the book, was their real praise of Nancy Pelosi um, for being someone who has cultivated leadership and brought women to tables that they might not otherwise be at based on their actual years in Congress, right? Um, So a recognition by her and I think her team and her staff um, that it was really important to cultivate leadership early and among many of the women members. And there was real um, sort of gratefulness among those women and gratitude um, for her and her leadership in helping to Uh, advance women's political careers in Congress. Um, Even those who may disagree with her on some policy issues, I think, recognized that that was a priority that she set early on in her leadership as Speaker the first time and seems to have continued um, in in this current uh, term as Speaker of the House. Once again, it's important to note that this conversation looks much different on the other side of the aisle. There's just one Republican woman in House leadership. Representative Liz Cheney is the chair of the Republican Conference. There are 13 total Republican women in the House. So, you know, having more women, having more women in longer, and then having a woman at the head of the party who's promoting this has really helped women in the Democratic Party to be sure that they're in these conversations, they're in these rooms, they're they're shaping agendas. Um, and I think, you know, we see that bear out if you just look at the breakdown of current um, committee chairs um, in the House, um, you see more women um, than, you know, at least consistent with what has been in a previous democratically controlled Congress, and I think a little bit more. Uh, there's a real disparity, again, though, um, by party. So if the party control of the chamber flips again, right, as it has done in the past, we immediately see a drop in the number of women in committee leadership because there are so few Republican women in the U.S. House in this case. Part of what is um, controlling or deciding how many women are heading committees and even in party leadership is their representation and their seniority within each party. That is where there's a lot of room for improvement on the Republican side when it comes to um, who's there and then also who's being lifted up in those leadership positions, especially when we're looking at um, just broader party leadership positions that don't necessarily have to be determined by seniority. Every member of the House has won the right to be there. So why is it that some members of Congress become well-known household names, while others have a lower profile? One factor that's out of representatives' control is seniority, how long you've been there. Some factors that are more variable are committee assignments and caucus positions. Here's Ashanti Golar, president of Emerge and host of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics podcast. Seniority is a real thing, especially when it comes to Congress. And we saw that play out with 
Speaker Pelosi and a lot of people feeling that it was time for her to move on and let the next generation lead. But she was able to get her votes and we're calling her Speaker Pelosi again. So a lot of it does have to do with longevity in Congress. But the other side of that is one of the things that we have seen with Speaker Pelosi is she has given a lot of the freshman members committee assignments on very high profile committees. So that is another reason why we see the squad and Congresswoman Porter and Congresswoman Holland. So in the forefront is because she gave them really important roles. And that shows that she saw their leadership, that they had the abilities to represent the party on these committees. Congressman Porter, thank you very much for joining us tonight. And I'll never forget the first time I saw you question anyone was the kind of questioning I've always dreamed about seeing. When did Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg become aware of Cambridge Analytica? I I don't know off the top of my head. You don't know? This was the largest data scandal with respect to your company that had catastrophic impacts on the 2016 election. You You don't know? So while there is definitely the hierarchy with the speaker and then her leadership team under her, there still is the opportunity for freshman members to shine. Another thing is there are the different caucuses as well. You have the Women's Caucus, you have the Congressional Black Caucus, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, the Asian Caucus, the Progressive Caucus. These are other opportunities too for members who do not have senior roles within the overall Democratic Caucus to lead as well. So you see a lot of the younger members leading these caucuses, serving as chairs or vice chairs. And that's another way that they're able to influence the direction of the party. So you don't have to have the key roles inside a Congress in order to make the difference. You can also have influence within these different caucuses that are set up. And I think that's really important because so many people don't pay attention to these these caucuses and how it's another outlet and avenue for them to be able to push on issues for women, for communities of color, and for the progressive movement. So how does one rise to the top? After the break, we'll talk about how it goes down and hear from women who've successfully risen through the ranks. This episode of Women Belong in the House is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? In this period of uncertainty, I think it's important for all of us to try to figure out ways to promote mental health. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. 
visit betterhelp.com slash W-B-I-T-H. That's betterhelp.com slash W-B-I-T-H. And join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offers for Women Belong in the House listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash W-B-I-T-H. Congress is a hierarchical place, and rising up that hierarchy means attaining more power to shape the body's work. Like in all businesses, some people are more inclined to climb than others. That may indicate a certain mastery of internal or external politics. Here's Ashanti Golar again. I think there's those who just immediately rise to the challenge and are able to move up very quickly into roles because they're effective at what they do. And not going to lie, I think there's also a lot of jockeying for positions. There are people who will, you know, make sure that they're fundraising for certain people, that they're always falling in line, that they vote well. So those are the really main two avenues that I think we see people climbing, you know, up the ladder and being really involved is just putting their head down and doing a lot of the work or being real honest, doing the politics to get the position that you think will help you better you know, progress in the Democratic caucus and serve your district better. For many representatives, this isn't the first time they've risen up the ranks. Political careers often consist of one jump after another. I think that keeping it real, that's just a part of the political game. For a lot of people, when we think of members of Congress, most of them come from state and local politics. So they got their start at a lower level office and then they climbed to the top to be where they're at now. So along the way, be it if you're in city council and county commission and you're able to rise up to the mayor and then you're able to rise up to the state house and then you're a member of Congress, you learn a lot of things along the way about how to effectively work with people, and how to continue to move up the political ladder. So I think for a lot of people, it's just political skills that they gained over the course of their career. Of the 101 women in the House, 58 of them held previous elective offices prior to Congress, according to the Center for American Women in Politics. You may remember from Episode 2 that that was the case for Representative Catherine Clark from Massachusetts' 5th District. Catherine started off her political career as a member of the local school committee before running for state representative and for state senate. There, she rose to the chair of the Judiciary Committee before deciding to run for U.S. Congress. As you heard in Episode 2, I asked her about that decision-making process. When the opportunity came up with an open congressional seat in my district, I initially said that I wasn't interested. I was chair of the Judiciary Committee in the Massachusetts State House. I loved the issues that I got to work on, and I really looked at Congress as a place that was knotted up and unable to get things done. But As I thought about it and I watched men starting to throw their names in, I decided that maybe there was room for someone who never saw herself walking the halls of Congress. And that maybe what I worked on on the state level 
could be issues where I could find partners even across the aisle to change the focus uh, away from those who have money uh, to influence the system and bring it back to those families at home that I saw who, who needed help from Congress and needed help from the federal government. So about six weeks after making, I thought, a very compelling case about why I wouldn't run for Congress, I uh, put out my statement saying that I was in. Since being elected to Congress in a special election in 2013, Catherine has continued to rise. She co-chaired recruiting and the Red to Blue program for the 2018 election, and in the fall of 2018 was elected vice chair of the Democratic Caucus, making her the sixth highest ranking Democrat. Representative Sherry Bustos from Illinois' 17th District was also a local elected official before running for the House and rising up the ranks of leadership. Sherry was a member of city council before she ran to Congress. Both Catherine and Sherry spoke to the fact that the longer you're in a position, the better you are at the job. That's as true in Congress as it is anywhere else. Here's Sherry Bustos. For folks, Jenny, who are are listening to your podcast, if they would think about um, maybe a job that they took where they were brand new, And um, if they can think of their own careers um, when they were brand new at a job and then maybe eight years into it and just how much better you get, no matter matter what your career is. And in my previous careers, I was a journalist for 17 years and then I worked in healthcare for 10 years and now I've been doing this going on in in my eighth year. And I I guess the way I would look at it is you just, you get better at what you do. Uh, You get to know your district better. You get to know people who you serve better. Uh, you build your team in a way that is is the best it can possibly be, who understands uh, the people at home. One of the most important things you do as a member of Congress is you have what what's called casework, uh, meaning if somebody comes to your office and they're, they might have a challenge with the Veterans Administration or Medicare or Social Security or immigration um, or, or whatever it is having to do with the, the federal government, and um, we, at this point, in, in my service as a member of Congress, we have closed thousands of cases. And when I say that, for every single one of those cases is a person. So that's just one example of how you get better at, at serving people, at writing legislation, uh, learning how to pass legislation, being a good member of the committees that you serve on. And I, I have gone from being a freshman member of Congress to serving in a leadership role where every week that I fly into Washington, D.C., I'm sitting alongside the Speaker of the House, the uh, Leader of the House, the Whip of the House, and um, everybody who's in a senior leadership position, I'm sitting there right alongside them as we look and and plan our week ahead and our month ahead and our year ahead. I think I would characterize it by saying I'm better today than I was in my first term in Congress, and I hope if I'm successful in my election in November, that I'll be better um, in, in the next cycle of Congress. Sherry has never been one to settle down in one role. From her career outside of politics to her work in public service, she's always sought leadership positions. I've never been comfortable being static in my career. And uh, like I, I can go back to my days in journalism and uh, an entry-level job in journalism, which is where I started at the newspaper where I worked for, for many years, was covering the police beat. And um, why I, I loved that beat uh, because 
if if you know uh, any any uh, police officers, they are uh, they are tough to to build trust with. Like, and if you could build trust with police officers, where they will tell you what's going on behind the scenes, then you can build trust with a lot of people. So. In, in my journalism career, I went from the police beat to city hall to an assistant editor to running a team of reporters to being an investigative reporter uh, to then running half the newsroom uh, by the time that I left journalism and went into um, went into healthcare. In her healthcare job, Sherry started as a director and eventually rose to be vice president of the whole health system. I, I think it's what I have in me is I like to move up in my career, not not so much for the sake of moving up, but because I like managing uh, divisions. I like leading people. That remained true when Sherry reached the Capitol. That said, Sherry hails from a swing district, so solidifying her position there came first and foremost. So you start out as a freshman member of Congress, and I'm in a tough district, so I had to pay attention to um, making sure that I did what I need to do to um, be an effective member of Congress, so I was reelected. And it was um, actually in my uh, third term that um, I was elected among my peers in Congress to run, um, uh, be a co-chair of what's called the Democratic Policy and Communications Committee. Sherry's comment raises an important note when it comes to all this growing and climbing. Seniority is a factor when it comes to moving up in Congress for a variety of reasons. For example, more senior congresspeople know more of their peers better, and they know how the internal politics of the place work. They've also proven themselves to their constituents and can therefore take time to look at the bigger picture. For freshmen, it's more about figuring out which committees to vie for and working to get reelected. To that point, I asked freshman representative Donna Shalala from Florida's 27th district, how she thinks about rising through the ranks of the congressional hierarchy. I don't think about it at all. All I think about is getting elected the next time, and then I'll worry about uh, uh, what committees I want to be on. I now sit on rules, which is the most powerful committee. But uh, but considering what else I want to do in the Congress, I'll wait until I get reelected. Back to Representative Sherry Bustos. Sherry co-chaired the Democratic Policy and Communications Committee with Representatives Hakeem Jeffries and David Cicilline. Then, in late 2018, Sherry was elected to the position of chair of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. I think that um, our colleagues thought that we did a good job, and then they elected me to run the political arm of House Democrats. So, you know, this is an organization that when it's all said and done, we will have a budget of about a third of a billion dollars. Uh, so that's about uh, $300 million. So a very, very large budget. And we will have a staff of about 250 plus people. And they will, they will work out of um, states all over, all over our country. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing something to make a difference and bring you know, the talents that I have to, to this job. The diversity of people in leadership roles in the House has improved significantly over time as the larger body has become less homogeneous. Still, there's room for improvement, especially when it comes to women of color in leadership roles. Here's Ashanti Golar again. So let's talk about Congresswoman Barbara Lee. 
she ran for a position in uh, the House Democratic Caucus and she did not win. And she would have been like the first black woman to have one of those roles, which is crazy to think about in that was 2019 that that didn't happen, but they opted for a younger black man instead. So even in this space, we still continue to see it be very hard for black, brown, and indigenous women to have these roles. And we know Barbara Lee is a very credible member of Congress. She has served several terms. She is known for speaking out against the Iraq war, and that still wasn't good enough. So even when you're in these spaces, as a very well-qualified woman, woman of color, you still have people who may not think you're good enough. And in that perspective, we do have to go a really long ways in making sure that the House Democratic Caucus leadership does look like the country. We're not there yet. Barbara Lee lost the election for chair of the House Democratic Caucus. Afterwards, she was nominated by Speaker Pelosi and elected by her peers to be co-chair of the Democratic Steering and Policy Committee. Challenges for women, and especially women of color, don't disappear once you're elected to office. That's particularly important to note if the eventual goal is to jump to the next highest government ladder, the Senate. So some women will just decide that Congress is for them and it's where they want to be. And on the other hand, there are women who do want to run for higher office. They do want to be in the Senate. And for me, I think that at the end of the day is really the key, that if you're a member of Congress in the House who has higher aspirations for the Senate to make sure that you are getting your name out there and not only being effective for your district, but how are you working with the fellow members of Congress from your state to help support their district as well? And how are you communicating that? If you're able to build up that strong brand for yourself, that will make it a lot easier to run for office statewide. There is nothing wrong with having those ambitions, but we talked about earlier with Congresswoman Barbara Lee, just because you have the congressional pin on you, it doesn't mean that all the other factors about being a woman, being a woman of color, go away. You still have to continue to fight in those spaces to have like your voice heard, to be seen, to be heard, to be valued. And you just got to make sure that you're like fighting for it if your goal is to run eventually for the Senate. Women's representation in the House has expanded over time. Like in the business world, leadership positions tend to change more slowly. Still, in Congress, like in business, it's clear that when women at the top help lift up other women, progress accelerates. Later this season, we're going to talk more about the challenges and opportunities for improving congressional representation. It's not just about gender. There are other facets of identity that are not reflected proportionally, or perhaps at all, in Congress. That means those perspectives may be absent from the rooms where decisions are being made. Next week, we're going to do something a little different. We're living in strange and uncertain times. For those of us lucky enough to be healthy, 
days in quarantine are filled with emotional oscillations. Serving in Congress has always had dramatic ups and downs. I asked each of the women we featured so far on this season about their highs and lows. Next week on Women Belong in the House, we're going to release a special episode where we share some of those moments of challenge and inspiration. Hopefully, you'll hear something that can help motivate you to hang in there. Women Belong in the House is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Grace Lynch and executive produced by me, Jenny Kaplan. Special thanks to Louisa Garbowit. Original theme music by Miles Moran. To stay up to date with what's going on at WMN, follow us on Instagram at WMN.media and Twitter at WMN Media. You can also reach me directly on Twitter at Jenny M. Kaplan. I'd love to hear from you. Stay safe and talk to you next week.